Welcome to The Razor's Edge. I'm Daniel Schwarzman, and I'm joined by Seeking Alpha author Akram's Razor, as always. Each episode, we take an investing idea or theme that Akram has been looking at for his personal investing, as well as the Seeking Alpha marketplace service he runs, also called The Razor's Edge. We're looking at specific ideas, discussing how they might play out, what the research is that went into the thesis. So it's a mix of trying to get into the ideas themselves, but also the ins and outs of deep fundamental market research today. If you're interested in more of those ideas and research, as well as up-to-date developments and a chance to swap ideas with Akram and other investors, you can check out Akram's Marketplace service by typing Akram's Razor, that's A-K-R-A-M apostrophe S, Razor, or The Razor's Edge on the search bar in Seeking Alpha or going to our seekingalpha.com slash marketplace link. We've got a new directory, so you can check it out. This week's topic, we're talking about Pinterest. Amidst the many hyped IPOs of 2019 that have underperformed, Pinterest, ticker symbol P-I-N-S, has stayed under the radar. Not because it had a great year, it didn't, and it hasn't attracted a lot of buzz, at least from what I've heard. It has attracted a few, let's call them deep growth investors. The company is posting impressive revenue and user growth numbers. It's getting close to break even on a cash flow basis. And it's looking perky recently after an e-marketer report that said Pinterest has passed Snap to become the third most used social platform in the U.S. Akram's Razor came out with a bullish thesis on pins based on relative valuation and earnings trade um, in August. It's an idea that I had wanted us to get to because I think it's an interesting area that doesn't have a ton of coverage. We haven't been able to get to it until now, but with the market continuing to rip higher, Pinterest just starting to join in. Now is better than never. So we're going to get into what makes this interesting, what issues there might be, and just what the story is around this company. Before we begin, quick disclaimer and disclosure. The Razor's Edge is a podcast on Seeking Alpha's The Investing Edge channel. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively, and nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. We'll disclose any positions in any stocks discussed at the end of the podcast, Akram is long pins and Facebook and short snap. I have no positions in any social media companies, but there may be some companies I do own that I'll discuss and disclose by the end of the podcast. Recording this on the morning of January 17th. Akram, good morning. Welcome on. Good morning. So let me just dump out some initial notes to frame this and then we'll get into the thesis itself. Uh, you know, I looked over the company, recent 10Q, recent presentation, earnings call. They grew revenue by 47% in Q3. They're slowest in the last five quarters. So still a fast growing revenue company. User growth was 28%, tilted heavily towards international growth. ARPU, average revenue per user grew. International is still almost de minimis, but uh, they, that's growing. Their ARPU in the U.S. also still growing. Guidance was raised for year end. They're forecasting about 34% revenue growth at the midpoint, if I got the math right. They were they burned about a million dollars in cash in Q3 on a free cash flow basis. That's after giving them credit for a lot of share-based compensation, I think over $100 million. So that's sort of the, the snapshot where it looks to me like a company that you can relatively close to an inflection point in terms of the free cash flow, still fast growing, but lots of dilution and everything else. So 
that said, with that context, what's your core thesis here? What's your sort of gut take on Pinterest? I mean, look, I came to Pinterest in in summer of last year. Started out as a as an earnings trade on the Q2. <sighs> Recommended the subscribers. Basically, uh, the stock had been, you know, hammered kind of since they went public. Sentiment around it was kind of pretty negative. They had it. They had an easy year over year comp. So I had done some work in terms of just like the ad products they turned on and you had different timing for Easter this year than last year. So it set up really nicely and they beat notably in Q2 stock pop big. It was, it was a great options trade. Uh, since then it's, I mean, with most of SaaS cloud IPO land, you know, it just, free fall essentially speaking i mean i think I, when i first came into it it was like 24 dollars. it got up as high as 36 it's been as low as i think just a little bit below 18 1750 ish maybe i don't know but i mean it's it's cheap right and it's it's got that under the radar element where you look at it and you're just like i mean I'd say it was trading at an EV to sales just to start, just at the start of the year on a forward basis of almost five times, right? For a company that grew its top line, you know, 61% Q2, 48% Q3, right? You know, like you're talking north of 50% revenue growth the last couple quarters and it's five times sales and what adjusted EBITDA margins are like about 1% now, right? Compare that to Snapchat, which is like probably negative 10% or so, I think. So it's appealing. I mean, there's there's not much to get around it. The question is, the, does a stock like this carry, you know, that uh, Twitter if you want to say a negative experience that has, I mean, I don't even really think of it as a social media stock, but that has kind of come with the social media element, you know, like outside of Facebook, if you bought anything in social media, it's as a long-term investor, it's been so far a miserable experience, right? Right. And you had, you'd mentioned the Twitter angle in your original thesis. What Explain that a little bit. I think, you know, right now, when people think about Twitter from an investment, they think about still spending a ton of R&D without clear changes, Jack Dorsey uh, manage, running two companies, I mean, we, we et cetera. Could, but we, could do, we could do two hours on Twitter. I mean, my lifetime experience with Twitter stock is just is torture, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I, I, lo- I, I love the – I'm one of those, you know, people who's really gotten into the product particularly from a financial news standpoint, and even now to a degree, even with politics, with the election and whatnot, I've just had, um, like, I've had a miserable experience with it. I mean, I was trading it back when Salesforce was supposed to be buying it. There was a period where I was shorted before that, and then it got so cheap, you know, $13, $14 a share. Mm -hmm. It popped up on uh, the Salesforce acquisition rumors, kind of like a CRM play, right? customer interaction, the data, et cetera. And 
collapsed, you know, as Salesforce took a lot of heat for that potential transaction, walked away, and even Disney was talking about it, which in, in retrospect, you have a hard time thinking about it with all the negativity that does exist on Twitter. And then it came back to life last year, and then, you know, just I was long Twitter calls when it, it imploded, uh, what, 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 like two quarters ago? When did it implode? I don't even remember. That sounds about right. I, I, I didn't pull up Twitter's uh, chart while we're talking, but let me see. It was the last quarter, last quarter. Actually. Yeah, October, it fell off the table. Yeah, Q3 report. Yeah. It's, it had come down somewhat from the summer, and it was like, oh, Twitter's cheap again, and you buy calls, and you know, maybe for the third time, uh, I've had Twitter calls on earnings where now I'm, I'm just like, how did this just fall 20%? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it, it perennially disappoints. Now, obviously they have a different business model and they've, they've struggled on the advertising side. And yes, we can get into Jack Dorsey and going to Africa and running two companies. And, you know, even uh, yesterday, uh, he's asking Elon Musk for advice on how to fix Twitter. Right. <laughs> Right. I mean, then, like, why would you say? Why, why would you say fix? Why would you say improve? Right. Like, <laughs> it's just as a shareholder, you're just like, ah, that's just right. You know, and he, it's coming up again, and you're just like, you're looking at it right now. Twitter is at the same market cap, essentially speaking, as uh, Snapchat. Right. Huh. Okay. And it's got. I mean, yeah, they're both twenty-five billion. Actually, on an EV basis, Twitter is smaller now. And Twitter is like twice the revenue, right? I mean, we can get into revenue growth rates and whatnot. Obviously, Snapchat grew like about 50% the most recent quarter. Snapchat, you know, did have a huge burst in uh, uh, activity around the the filters in the first half of this year. Everybody went crazy and got back into uh, using Snapchat to take those, uh, what do you call them, uh, the age photos or oh, uh, the, the where you see how you look ten years from now, the ten year comparison. Oh yeah, whatever. they had they had, a, they had a bunch of these like cool little filters that uh, people would like log in a Snapchat and then like upload them into other places on social media. But I mean, like yeah, but you're talking about a company that's that's doing roughly half the revenue of Twitter, and it's bigger now, right? And then if you want, want to compare it, uh. Pinterest is half the size of both of them. So how does the how does the Twitter problem play out for Pinterest? Like what what do you mean when you when you bring that to Pinterest? What what how does that play out? Well, I think there's just general skepticism. Once you slap the social media uh, uh, moniker on a stock, that you're going to make money, right? Right. If it's not Facebook, you know, so. And even now, Facebook is just, I mean, every day someone's got Nancy Pelosi yesterday, they're being sued. Uh, I mean, like the regulatory stuff around Facebook and and so on and so forth. I mean, Pinterest is more, you know, an e-commerce play to me than, than social media, right? Like it's not fully flushed out yet as a storefront. To a degree, Instagram is, is moving in the same direction. But, I mean, Pinterest is native for shopping, right? Women get on Pinterest 
for ideas for stuff to buy, right? You don't get on uh, Instagram or Facebook for ideas for stuff to buy. I mean, you get served ad- you get served ads, and it, it gets there. And Instagram, obviously, there's has has developed in that sense, but more so as a, as a, a place where brands show off wares and fashion and whatnot. But it's not the core of the product. I mean, I do. Do you remember when Pinterest blew up? I mean, like as a pinup board and whatever, 2010 or 11. And everybody was knocking it off. There was, I mean, I remember Rocket Internet had like a Pinterest clone. Everyone had a Pinterest clone. Like you could buy uh, essentially the functionality and create like, you know, a dummy Pinterest, no problem. I want to, so I want to come back to Instagram because I'm not sure if I, I I do think that that's increasingly the, the threat in the room for them. But when you say it's not a social media play, it's an e-commerce play, does that change the business model? Because they're, they're an ad business right now and you talk about them being an appealing ad business. Does it matter that they're more geared towards e-commerce instead of engaging with your friends' interests or you're following your friends' well, ideas? The, the revenue is obviously completely geared towards advertising, right? So, I mean, I'm serving you ads uh, in an environment where you're there to spend money, right? You're looking for stuff to buy. Uh, the the inspirational element of Pinterest and like, hey, here's what I've pinned and things going on in my life type of stuff uh, that is, I guess, personable. I, like, I just don't think you, you don't have like a, a Pinterest network that's essentially driven by your close group of friends, really, right? Okay. So, so, so in, in some sense, it's, I, maybe what I'm getting at, it sounds like maybe the difference, a social media play, you're basically trying to monetize the time I'm spending there because I'm engaged because I'm spending time. You can grab my attention the same way that you would normally um, through classic advertising mediums, whether they be print, new digital. Yeah. I mean, TV, look, look, let's step back for a second. I mean, you pointed out that Pinterest popped recently because e-marketers said they passed uh, Snapchat, mm-hmm. right? Which to me is kind of ridiculous because I read that article and in Q3, Pinterest reported 87 million monthly active US users, right? I think they said they hit like 82 million in the US in 2019. So like just uh, on that element, you're like, well, I mean, you guys, I mean, you're not telling us anything new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you compare it to Snapchat, Remember, Snapchat reports daily active users, not monthlies. So, I mean, I like if you look at pins, pins is like 320 or so million monthly active users. Snapchat is like 210 million daily active users, right? So, from an ad basis, like obviously the the Snapchat user is more engaged, right? We don't know what pins daily active usage is. So, I mean, it's it's, it's like. Like it's a more relevant metric, I think, for Snapchat on DAUs because I, I'm not I'm not spending nearly the time I'm going to be spending on a Snapchat as as I am on a Pinterest, right? I mean, we like if if you were to see Pinterest DAUs, I'm I'm sure they would be significantly lower than Snapchat. Well, so because. I think what that leads me to is sort of when you think of advertising on Facebook, for example, it's less about 
I'm trying to follow along with your interest set. It's less, I'm, I'm not going to get the, I don't have the metaphor fully thought out, but you think about push first pull Facebook. I'm kind of hunting you down. I, I have, I'm looking for males from a certain range in a certain location and I can advertise against you guessing what your interests are. Whereas, you know, to the most obvious example of this is Google, which I am long is, uh, if I'm searching for hotels, it's very easy to advertise. You already kind of know what my interest is, and so the search ads, and that's what makes Google so powerful. And what I think that that to me is what you're positioning this as a the distinction between a pins and a snap is that snap it's more about okay, I you spend a lot of time, I can figure out who you are and guess what you like. Whereas on pins, I'm actually telling you I want this, and so I may not spend as much time, but you can be more you can be more accurate as far as what you're advertising to me or doing for me. Snapchat is media, right? I mean, it's entertainment essentially, right? I mean, and and they are increasingly going more along that route, creating content Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, to deliver directly to people who are a captive audience, right? To entertain them and to continually have them engaged and spending time there and to serve them ads as they spend time. Like you're, Pinterest is really driven by shopping and thinking about things like you're, you may be planning a wedding, you may want to, you know, redecorate your home. Uh, you know, it's it's stuff along those lines. And I mean, it, it's got a very skewed demographic, right? So, I mean, it's 70% plus women, mm. right? You know, it's like a mom's hangout. Right. Which, you know, something we, we chatted about before before a little bit is that's wall street always has sort of the has a bit of a it's not quite a blind spot because you know it's still i know you say it's cheap but it's still not yet cash flow positive in trading you like it you can make the case that it's fully valued the other stock i have in mind that i have a tiny position on but that i've talked about on other podcasts is stitch fix which is still more of a it's a business model that's not oriented yeah, towards i know it well a Wall Street guy. And so there's a little bit of... Well, that CEO is a bit of a character, but yeah. we, I, we That could be a fun podcast because I... Yeah, I would be happy to talk about that too. But you know what I mean? Like it's I, was, still- I was short I was short Stitch Fix for a while a ways back. But yeah, no, I, I, I get your point. So it's just... It's like you can't really put a valuation number on that, but that feels like when we talk about under the radar, we're sort of talking around this fact that a lot of people who actively invest or who are on the street or whatever else are oh, men. And they don't- I, I'm sure like 95% of the sell side covering the stock does not use the product. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, it's definitely a part of the problem, I think without question, like if they can't relate to it, they can definitely relate to Facebook empire. Right. And I, I definitely think on wall street, well, it kind of cuts the other direction is that, and it was probably why it's so constantly volatile and, and back and forth is that they all use Twitter. Right. Right. So like it's Twitter for all its problems. Like anyone in finance is engaged with it and trading and markets. So with Pinterest, like where does it, it hasn't, you know, it played out originally with the earnings trade, but then the stock, pulled back quite a bit it's now perking up again but like where when you when i still as sort of a 
value oriented person. When I look at a stock like this, I'm looking for that inflection. And the path here seems relatively simple. They're still putting up big revenue numbers. They still have a big international opportunity. And so you have to think that at some point they'll overcome, you know, they'll get enough leverage even from the share-based compensation to where they start to post numbers. But like, what do you think the, the investors are waiting on? Is it just that lack of a lack of focus and awareness or that fear of social media not working outside of the Facebook world? Or is there something else that you're waiting for or that you're looking for as a, as a long hair? Look, what impresses me the most about Pinterest and going back to when it was, it had more of a social media moniker when it, you know, it sprung on the scene and caught fire, you know, went viral like in, in 2010 and 11 is that it is still growing its user base organically, you know, a decade later a pretty impressive clip, right? For something that is pretty niche. Because, I mean, I, I can tell you, like, if, you know, if you went back to 2014, 2015, and we were talking about Pinterest valuation, I would just be like, this is Midwestern moms. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not hanging around for very long. And now you look at it globally, and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> it's, you know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's still, it's still growing in the U S what high single digits, this most recent quarter. Mm -hmm. And you're like, how is that possible 10 years later? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, right. It does seem to have that rest that on a, on the wide scale, I mean, 8%, you know, and as you pointed out, so the skew, yeah. That's one. That's an impressive element to it. That's one, right? the The negatives it, it's had in the past is that, unlike, let's say, you know, if if we, on one extreme we have like the temple to shareholder value, it's Mark Zuckerberg, right? Like, he's viewed as ruthless and uh, and he's criticized and hated and he's destroying the world and so on and so forth. But I mean, if you're an investor, you know the dude's brilliant, right? I mean, he's executed beyond everyone's wildest dreams. Uh, he's still very young. Like, it's hard to bet against him. On the flip side, you've got Jack Dorsey, right? Where there's a skepticism, even though he's created these two great companies, that he's more distracted. You know, Twitter essentially has gone nowhere since it IPO'd. You know, it's that it's what traded, you know, almost twice as high you know, six years ago, right? So in between those, you've got the founder of Pinterest, Ben Silberman, and like he's viewed as, you know, the you know, kitten to Zuckerberg's Rottweiler, right? <laughs> I mean the the perception of him as a CEO is that, you know, he's built this kind of cool thing and it's been growing but like monetization hasn't been a major focus and the culture hasn't been really about being aggressive and ruthless and monetizing and you know that that had been part of the problem with pinterest and i, I do think that still also plays a bit part like you, you do hear criticism around the culture not being uh what's the word you know capitalist enough maybe 
We have on the, I'm trying to see if I can pull it up quickly on one of the, I think on the most recent earnings presentation and somebody accused this person of just grabbing it directly from an analyst commentary. I don't know if that's true or not, but Pinterest has a cordial work culture. Hence company will never be able to roll out new stuff at constant speed. They, and it's just, which I, you know, I don't know if you have anything to base on. I certainly don't. I think that's again, also sort of interesting when you think of what they're, again, the, the fact that their audience is more women than men and so forth. I think that's an interesting, I don't know if that's related, but there's a little bit of that, you know, Twitter, obviously. Yeah. So I haven't read what you, what you just said, but like, that's, that literally kind of sums up the type of criticism they do get. Mm -hmm. Right. That like, if you're serious about making money, Pinterest is, is not, is not there yet. That's not part of their culture. But isn't that, couldn't we say this, you know, last week we talked about Zoom and you made the point that they, their unit economics are so good, you know, they are cash flow positive, et cetera, but that they, they're, when you're posting 80% revenue growth, it's, it's hard to argue that you don't care about growth enough or that you need to keep spending more. And isn't that to a lesser degree here when you're talking about, you know, they're going to post year over year growth of, 35 to 40 percent at least for the for 2019 as a whole like aren't they uh, don't the numbers show that they are at least they do seem to at least have more room to grow and that they are pursuing that i think i think the contrast there is that i mean zoom has grown like a weed really quickly and they've executed extremely well pinterest has been around for a while in terms of not monetizing really well, right? It's kind of just started to accelerate. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, like this is to a degree from a business standpoint, a lot more like a startup. I mean, they've just started to open offices and they've they've just started rolling out ad features for advertisers that, you know, six months ago in, in some respects, right? It's been a very nascent product. So tools and and uh, I mean the, uh, the the I think they hired him right before the IPO. The current head of engineering was the CTO of Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. Ex eBay guy, CTO of Walmart, which is actually kind of interesting when you think about the e-commerce angle. But like you know, putting together these pieces in, in the in executive management. I mean, when you think about a Facebook, I mean, you know, you don't hear as much about her anymore, and Zuckerberg's more in the limelight, but he's had Sheryl Sandberg there, right? And I, I don't think from a Wall Street standpoint, they've had that uh, big boy adult supervision uh, perspective on Pinterest yet, which I think Facebook has had almost, you know, from day one. Yeah. So maybe maybe that works. Like, that's one thing that works against it. I think another thing that works against it is just like with, with all these types of stocks, it'll be like, you know, are we going to hit the Twitter problem at some point where users don't grow or, or like Snapchat where they went through that period where the user growth, you know, went negative, right. That completely changes the entire multiple. And that's why it gets stuck with a low multiple. What's interesting about Pinterest is I think if you look at it, you know, as of where it was just a few weeks ago, 
and you look at the consensus estimates for next year and you look at the current growth and you look at how nascent they are and the fact in terms of uh, monetization development and you look at the organic growth rate of the actual uh, user base, it, it's, it was being priced already like, these, like it's going to hit that type of Twitter, Snapchat problem around the corner, right? Five times forward EV to sales and your break even on adjusted EBITDA already positive. That's, that's surprising for trailing 50% revenue growth the last, say, two quarters. Mm-hmm. Like, h- how do you lose in that in the near term? That's a simple question to ask. There. It's very hard, right? Like, how much lower does the multiple go? And then if you've got to think about it strategically, I mean, you know, these guys are working with Shopify. Like, if, you, if there wasn't these problems as far as big tech being what it is, like, how much of a no-brainer is a Pinterest acquisition to one of these giants? where it was just recently trading. I mean, you, you know, it was like a 9 billion market cap with like 2 billion in cash. You were talking about like a $7 billion enterprise value. Uh, and if you've got the ad tools, you know how to monetize, you have the culture, you know, you have the big boy type of adult supervision uh, in the room financially, and you're a Google or you're an Amazon, even a Facebook, right? Like swallowing this thing would be no big deal. And I mean, when you think from an e-commerce overlap, there is interesting appeal, right? You bring in people who are already shopping. So targeting them from an advertising standpoint, like for everybody in advertising is good, but like also for e-commerce, if, if you're Amazon or, or even if you're Facebook with it, with what they're trying to do in, in shopping. I mean, I saw Google just recently bought, what's it called? Uh, Pintify or something. Uh, I thought they bought like an app. Book, uh, what's I'll pull up there. What I was gonna, what I was gonna, I, what I'm curious. E-com- to, they bought something in e-commerce, right? Uh, app sheet they bought. I don't know. And then they also bought a yes. retail then, tech company called Pointy. Yes, Pointy. Pointy. That's it. Yeah. What I wanted to ask you about, though, is it, it, you know this is maybe you know gearing for the little guy a little bit, but it's almost interesting. You think about Pinterest and all the cultural things you said, you hear about, you know, Shopify tries to present itself. Toby Lutke has now become much more active on Twitter and they're trying to present themselves as not a crazy big tech and we're arming the little guy. And you think about Etsy, which I, I haven't followed Etsy recently. And it looks like the stock has started to really work, but that was, they were a B corporation, corporation B, whatever you call it, where they're, you almost start to wonder if maybe there's like a mid-tier e-commerce juggernaut potential when you start to c- combine some of these companies that are not the big players. And Without question, that problem. Consolid- consolidation there would be very interesting. I mean, look, Shopify is going to do what? $1.5 in revenue and it's like $52 billion in market cap now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's Shopify's valuation is, is insane. You know, it's literally trading at, the same sales multiple as Zoom, right? It's just like which is literally the top of the list, right? I mean, if you were to work through SaaS Cloud from top all the way to the bottom, it starts with Zoom, and you know, right there after it is like Shopify, you know, maybe Coupa Software, a couple other names, but like Shopify, does you know, 
same revenue neighborhood as a Pinterest, which is one fifth the size. And they do work together. But if you look at a Pinterest, it's like, why can't my storefront be on Pinterest if I'm a store? I mean, you've got them. One of the things that's worked really well for them is retailers uploading their catalogs, right? They've been doing a lot with computer vision. Like you can shop the look, right? You can you see a picture of something and and go instantaneously in and pick out the products you want to buy and link to it. And I mean, as it functions now, it functions in the sense that it's you're being targeted by advertisers and like they're essentially referring traffic, right? But I mean, what does it take for them to provide the tools the way Shopify does? Mm-hmm. Like, w- why can't you have your like your pin board go directly to your shipping, and then and 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 then the link right there is just like you have a store front because the catalog is already there. I mean, it's like all you have to do is provide like half a dozen tools to turn it into a complete store, and then like you can do the same stuff that Square and, and Shopify et cetera are doing with, you know. <laughs> the square capital and Shopify capital and so on and so forth. Uh, so it, it's conceivable for it to go in that direction completely. Right. And if I'm, if I'm looking to compete with Shopify or I'm looking to enter the space more aggressively, like let's say a Google or a Facebook, it's, it's an easy deal, but it's also not a crazy deal for a Shopify or a Walmart with where it trades. Right. Because if you look at Shopify, you're like, who's going to buy them at this multiple? Mm-hmm. Nobody. But if you look at Pinterest, you don't have to get much right. I mean, from an upside standpoint, if you know you were you were paying double where it was, you know, two weeks ago. So I had two other thoughts that I wanted to throw at you, just as we're talking about this that as cautionary notes to me would be, I, I think Instagram, if it's not there is becoming a very big storefront. I just, I don't use, I tried it for a while last year. Didn't I've kind of, I don't use it very much. I've, I hear, you know, my wife uses it quite a bit. And to me, that's really, it used to be more, Oh, you get to just have your friends and you don't have other trash in there like you do with Facebook, but now it's really, she's following celebrities and she's, you do get shopping ideas there as well, I think. And I, I, we had dinner with a friend last night who runs a little shop and she said, Instagram is her business. Like Instagram is where she gets people coming to her retail. She has a physical store and people come. And so I just, I wonder, I feel like Instagram, that would be, and we know to your point about Zuckerberg and how ruthless they are, usually snap is usually the example you point to, but you just feel like if they saw an opportunity that that would be my concern. And the company that I was thinking about through all this, that would be a cautionary tale beyond Twitter is Yelp to me was a company that like, seems like it has a good position, seems like it should be doing well, but it had, you know, they had challenges with Google and they didn't control. I feels like Pinterest controls its own fate more, but that was the other thing I just thought about is just like, yeah. So, so Yelp is kind of interesting in the sense that when we talk about Shopify from advertising to commerce, I mean, Yelp, like, like Shopify, be like not Shopify, Pinterest, but Yelp was essentially, you know, a content play on F and B, right. Restaurants, mm-hmm. food, et cetera, like 
I mean, it covers everything, but still, that that was the core. And they missed the the quick pivot into ordering, right, mm-hmm. and delivery. And then you got, you know, Postmates and DoorDash and Grubhub and and and, and whatever. And you can look at it in, in a in a similar fashion, where, you know, Pinterest is content, right, for a niche, and commerce is on the other end of it, right? And if you have Instagram coming at you, I mean, even WhatsApp, you know, I have a friend who has a startup and I've done, you know, a lot with him on in terms of advising and watching it grow and whatnot. That's it's it's WhatsApp commerce in, in the Middle East. Okay. Right. So you're you you can literally drop your catalog into WhatsApp. You can convert the payment in WhatsApp. So if I want to buy something, right, I can just click on the link in WhatsApp and it takes me right away, right? So you have that. It's like the the general view is chat commerce to the point where like you you may go into a store and they may just convert your order through WhatsApp, similar into how, you know, iPad was turned into a point of sale, Mm -hmm. right? So turning WhatsApp both into a point of sale and a catalog, because once you're chatting directly with a customer, because you'll see people with Instagram stores and they'll be like, you know, here's my WhatsApp link, uh, contact, message me on this. And then the person messages is like, oh, I saw this. Where do I get it? Right. Well, I mean, the conversion rate on that versus a person clicking on a website, you don't want to be like, okay, go to my website. Right. You like, you already have them ready to buy. So the conversion rate is super high Interesting. compared to that. And definitely, uh, at least in, in in Middle East and even Asia, you're seeing a lot of chat commerce. Like it's it's native mm-hmm. to almost the, particularly also because WhatsApp is so dominant outside the United States, right? As a as a, as just a ubiquitous communications tool. Yeah, it to- totally takes over the phone. Totally takes over normal text messages. It's you're just for group messages. You're just on. Yeah, WhatsApp is is definitely. I can. Yeah, I mean, you have that. people like w- 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 like essentially have vape shops on what WhatsApp, right? And it's just like, yeah, messed me that, and they deliver, and the delivery guy shows up, and he just you know, p- set, click sends you the link right then and there, and you process payment. So you, you even eliminate the need to have for delivery businesses to buy the uh, credit card scanner or reader. That's fascinating. I, I didn't realize the commerce applications of it, but that that's really, which, you know. Oh, it's huge, huge. And and the way I've seen this business grow, it's native. Like this person has, like they spent nothing on advertising. It's literally native user behavior. They're just embraced. And like you you got people like renting apartments on it. It's, it's, it's nuts. So, I mean, yeah, when you look at Instagram and uh, WhatsApp, they, they, Facebook has huge aspirations there and they have what they need. I mean, Instagram can be your storefront. You can just click on it, but you know, Facebook does try to work with partners. And so far it's been, you know, let's call it the, a friend. There's that friend of me type concern, but, uh-huh. but yeah, these are the types of things that you do when you look at a Pinterest, but I think Pinterest, it just, it's already moving in that direction. It's not like, hey, they're several years away, right? And maybe from an investor standpoint, when we go back to 
its founder and him not being like a Zuckerberg and the culture criticism and so on and so forth, to see them iterate and develop tools and monetize rapidly. And I mean, you know, having the Walmart CTO in there who led that transformation on e-commerce, like these are things that are encouraging because it does have that vertical element appeal. I mean, this is where we go back to Etsy. Etsy struggled recently as a stock. I mean, you know, I loved Etsy when it was single digits and I couldn't find a single sell side person who was constructive on it. I eventually threw in the towel and I watched it over the last two years, you know, Go up like 700%, right? And like, you know, I was buying this stock at nine and $10, hoping it can get to to 20. And I was, you know, pulling my hair out. Because every single time you you, you would read these write ups, but like from the sell side, where they're just like, you know, cutting my price target from 14 to 11. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's something to be said, I think, for, it's that balance, right? Because Facebook at this point and these other agglomerations, they're, they are the adults in the room and they know how to run a business and to scale and all that. And that's important. But you do that organic element of people love to use Etsy and they have, they, they care about their, like they fostered the right community that, that sounds like soft, oh, lovey dovey stuff, but that does drive. that gives you a seat at the table if you genuinely grow the user base. And that's where Pinterest, I pulled up their S1 and that the first metric, they go monthly active users and then they go um, revenue. And you know, those are obvious, but it it is like, there is something about sometimes these new, especially Silicon Valley companies can be a little bit full of themselves as far as their noble mission or whatever. But there is something to be said for cultivating enough a community and listening to it. And that does not just from a, you know, as a cynical way to grow a business, but like that does give you an opportunity to then figure out a way to serve them. And, you know, Look, you don't have to be cynical. It cuts, but it cuts both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, essentially what you're describing is like, you know, the, the strength of being vertical, right? Mm-hmm. I'm arts and craft that I've, I've carved out a strong niche. You know, I've got a, a core sticky user base, right? But I'm not going to be Facebook, mm-hmm. right? And then when we look at a Facebook or, or an Amazon or, or whoever, and you're like, oh, but they're a threat to these guys. And, and it's like that core, if, you, if you're just really focused on arts and craft, like it's going to be very hard for anybody else to serve them as well as you do. But from an investor standpoint, the huge upside element and the concerns about, you know, pieces of your market share being taken uh, are always there because I mean, you know, when you're serving a niche, like you're not going to get those eye popping growth numbers for, for very long. Right. It does, it does level off. I mean, this is where you get into this. Like when we go back to like Twitter, right. I mean, I think Twitter where it stands has no real threats from the tech giants, essentially speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's news, it's enter—you know, entertainment, celebrities, finance, etc. It you you don't look at Twitter and say, you know, Instagram may become a problem, but we can look at a Pinterest and be like, Instagram and WhatsApp may become a problem. But I mean, like this is like you, you look at a Shopify and Shopify's CEO, like you said, has been very active on social media. 
lately he's much more vocal and he's you know uh, facebook's not a threat pinterest's not a threat we work with both of them they're good partners right but i mean they are threats just like a square is also a threat i mean you know fintech in general like it, it is is a broader threat for them too as well so it 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 is an element that makes a stock like a pinterest have its healthy skepticism yeah which is which is also where i mean recently there's been opportunity there's no way i would ever go near a pinterest at like a 20 times sales multiple right mm. <laughs> i mean it's just you're you're not touching a stock like that and we did get to a point recently and we're, we're getting back there again i mean let, let's not give too much credit for what what's going on in the market right now uh even though pinterest has had a nice move i mean jumia was up 30 percent yesterday for god's sakes <laughs> and they put out a, a press release that like they hired a person like if there's a if there's news on something it's an excuse to buy right apparently like yeah. the first yeah for the last for the first two weeks of this year i mean go back to our last podcast and i've looked at like the returns on, on some of the stuff that i bought and I'm just like, oh, like this is just ridiculous, <laughs> you know. Like you had a thesis, and now you got to be like, do I, should I should I sell Salesforce? Do I trim it? You know, do I exit Twilio? Like I, I made twenty five percent in, you know, fifteen trading sessions. Right. It's it's no. It it is. I know that was our last topic, but it, it's just something like. You'd want to take, I, I like taking profits, but at the same time, what are you going to do? Like, it's not, it is, you want, you, in theory, you want to then deploy it somewhere else. But yeah, it, it's been a, that, that podcast has still has quite a lot of relevance, I think, two weeks later as the market just. Yeah, look, I mean, I've got subscribers already asking about Pinterest and they're like, well, you know, what do you think here? And I'm just like, finally, right? Mm -hmm. But it's just like the, the stock was a dead duck for like four months. And I've talked to, you know, I've talked to several people at hedge funds and like it, it would come back to the same chat. I'd be like, guys, I mean, like it's, it's like six times forward sales, right? And it's positive non-gap margins already, right? Like how do I lose on this trade right here? It's like, yeah, but Wall Street doesn't like it. And if it just, if it, you know, prints a disappointing user number, stock may get hammered again. And like, that's the thinking. And that thinking is uh, a reflection of, I, I'd say, the Twitter experience and the Snapchat experience, right? Like, you, 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 you don't invest in a vacuum. And people have been burned badly on Snapchat and badly on Twitter. And they relate much more to those products. They've seen their kids use Snapchat. They've seen, you know, they use Twitter. They're engaged with it. And Pinterest, for the most part, maybe like their wife uses it or girlfriend here and there. But for most people on Wall Street, I don't think they've had engagement to go with the ones where they've seen the engagement and they've seen bad investor experiences. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, just, just, I mean, like, if you just look at the numbers, I mean, like, I mean, what are, monthly active users were up, what, 28%? It went from like 87 to 80 to 87 year over year in the US, and it was a bunch 
bigger jump internationally. Yeah, I, I think the stock works. I mean, we're also coming up on talking about annual guidance for next year for a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, consensus right now on this is that like 33% revenue growth. Yeah, that's what that's what we had on Seeking Alpha's consensus numbers, yeah. So if you look at the way the business is trending, I can't see how they're going to guide below that. I think you do have a you you do have a little bit of upside there. I, I I think the way they've described what they're doing, I think on the last call they said that they're not going to be expanding into new markets uh, in terms of opening more offices, and I think they're up to like twenty six, twenty seven, maybe. Yeah, uh, countries twenty seven is the number ads. I remember. Yeah, they opened nine okay. new ones in Q three. Yeah, and they said that from here we're going to focus more on monetizing. I and mean, if you look at the the ARPU, they're at like 20 cents or something internationally. I mean, I was comparing it. An interesting thing about this business, when I was looking at it in the, uh, after the last quarter, was that 280 million in revenue, 260, I think, or so, or 252 is US advertising. Mm-hmm. And if you look, at Snapchat, Snapchat is like 300 and maybe 10. So it's almost the same size on a U.S. ad business as Snapchat already, which does stand out. It's the international where they're still way behind. So Snapchat did 400, I think 40 million. I don't know if you have it in front of you. Snapchat, let's see, we have, so the quarter was 446. Okay, so 446 versus 280, right? Mm -hmm. So when you consider the the size difference, that's what, like 80% or so? Bigger? Sounds about right, yeah, 70. But, but But when you look at the US, Snapchat is like 15 to 20% bigger. It, they haven't opened offices in the international markets, you know, to advertise. They just really started to to open up that door, literally flipping on a switch to monetization there. So when you consider where they are internationally versus let's say a Snap, even though Snap is going to have higher average revenue per user, there's just the engagement is much higher. But they're they're not they're not that far behind. So I, I can't I, I still see upside internationally that's very significant for them but i mean i think for them right now western europe as a priority they should be monetizing that at a much higher clip before they really worry about you know south america eastern europe middle east asia etc right and that that last batch of countries they opened i think was you know there i think romania was in there so it was a mix of yeah some east, some eastern, eastern europe basically yeah, yeah. But so, so if, if you look at the stock, it's like your margin of safety on it in the near term should be pretty high. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think this is a very, like, do you get, do you get crushed here? This is what you have to ask yourself if, if you're, if you're buying it today, let's set aside the macro and the liquidity and the fed and, and all this. And God knows how much of current price action that's explaining as well as 
shorted stocks from last year rebounding heavily in, in the first two, three weeks of this year. So you don't want to attribute too much of like, oh, I'm in Pinterest. It's working. I got it right. This is buy and hold, no problem. But if you do think about it, at the multiple you're paying, comparatively speaking, to let's say Snapchat, I'd say you know Snapchat is probably almost double the EV to sales ratio, right? And let's be honest, Snapchat has its concerns on user engagement. Like they had a huge catalyst in the first half of last year that spiked everything. They're going to be lapping that in the first half of this year. So they're definitely a story on improving profitability and trying to get to uh, positive margins and free cash flow neutral and eventually positive. But they do have those user questions that were that plagued it over a year ago that reversed completely in the other direction that could reemerge again. They haven't achieved the climb the mountain. They're not they're not yet over the they've still got threats. They've still got Yeah, I mean you have just like you had the running jokes, you know, logged in to use their filter and then haven't used it in over a year and uh, then went and uh, shared what I what I did on Instagram. <laughs> right. So uh, I mean like that's that's been part part of the issue there. I don't think you're going to run into those types of problems in the near term with Pinterest. I think where they are on their curve at least for the next year like they they should still benefit just generally speaking from rolling out the monetization that they're doing in the markets that they've just entered in. So it's very organic. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's it seems to me like they have the next year or two is a relatively clean story and it's just a matter of them getting it executed. The bigger picture of do they maintain, you know, do they play the right cards as far as how they position themselves? Do they hold off from the threats that we mentioned from Facebook or whoever else? That's going to be the, you know, whether this company succeeds over the decade, let's say, but, or next five years, but that one to two, it's an, it's very, this is not the sort of company I usually go for. I do like to have a clearer vis, vision of that inflection point, but it is like, this has been very interesting as far as like it, the setup here is pretty, you know, there's, I would, yeah, I would want to learn a lot more about the workings and their vision and so on, but it's, it's definitely, it definitely within the context of what we brought up, I, I would love to hear yeah, the mean, bear case, but it sounds really intriguing. Well, the bear case, we know it is, is we've seen it. it it's, it's, it's Twitter mm-hmm. in, in a sense that you, you hit the, the problems with user growth and that eventually filters into the way you monetize and the way advertisers spend and see value. And they also do carry the overlapping element of storefronts and e-commerce and Instagram and WhatsApp and and the likes of Shopify and, and whatnot becoming better at what they do to keep you there and turn you into someone who doesn't have to go to a Pinterest to get inspired uh, 
for stuff you want to shop for and just convert you there. It kind of essentially eroding a little bit of that vertical specialization you've carved out for yourself. Right. But I, but what's your, but like that, that's been factored into the multiple to it, to a very significant degree because at the rate it's growing, it's not, it hasn't been getting a crazy sales multiple and it doesn't have, let's call it, you know, the class of 2019, uh, you're a cash incinerator problem. They're cash flow positive. And they have a ton of cash relative to the market cap. I mean, when you consider where they IPO'd, they were recently at, at, at $9 billion with $2 billion in cash. You know, That's over 20% of your market cap and your cash flow positive. It's like, it's really more of a question of what do you do with that cash, really? I mean, obviously, at this juncture, you're not buying back stock. Acquisitions, investing more aggressively in, in, in people. I don't know. Their downside seems limited over the next, let's call it, eight to 12 months. In contrast to Snapchat, if something was to go wrong on, in Snapchat on, let's say, user metrics, you're going to get obliterated in that stock, right? I mean, you're, you're down 50%. That's the flip side, I think, because I mean, Snapchat is, you know, it's a bigger EV than Twitter at roughly half the revenue. Right. Yeah. Twitter is growing high single digits, 10% or, or, or whatever overall. And Snapchat currently is much higher, but the base and the visibility on how long that continues for Snapchat can be questioned. Yeah. I think that's a fascinating. That, that that I just didn't wasn't paying attention. I didn't realize that's really interesting. That Snap is bigger than or on par with Twitter. However, you want to frame it. Well, on an enterprise value, it's bigger. Yeah, I mean that may change in two weeks when Twitter reports earnings. Uh, you know, if it does what it usually does, maybe it goes up twenty five percent. But you never know with that thing. Yeah. Okay, let's let's wrap there. Uh, really good stuff. We mentioned quite a few other stocks. Anything? I so I had said I was along Google and Stitch Fix, and I will say I'm I'm gonna do more research on Pinterest. This is I don't think I will have anything open by the time this comes out, but just it is intriguing. Akram, you I think you've you've mentioned so Facebook, Snap. I think the one we didn't discuss Shopify. Shopify I've been short one, yeah. which is which has not been fun. <laughs> That is, uh, I mean, it, it just goes up every day. That that's a fun, yeah. And that's sort of a pretty straightforward story. I don't even think you can, you know, they. It's just the valuation there seems crazy. Yeah, and I hate shorting on valuation, but the valuation there got to the point where I'm like, I have to have some short exposure here. Too too good. This can't. This short. this does not. This does not deserve Zoom's multiple. I mean, to me, I, I've even been looking at Square as a long versus it now. So I'm just like, how is this double Square size? Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Thank you, Akram. And yeah. No problem. Let's see. I'll be looking forward to seeing what we get back from this one because I think this is a, it's a fun topic. So I enjoyed the conversation. 